You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 269 of the Talking Chop Podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. It is Tuesday evening, and I will be joined momentarily by Gabe Burns of the AJC, good friend of the program, and shouts to Gabe, who was a fantastic guest and does a great job on the beat over at the AJC. He will be coming again in a second. There isn't a ton happening for the Braves at this point in time. The Padres stole all the headlines early this week in baseball with a couple of moves, including Blake Snell. And you, Darvish, there was a couple of things to touch on in the last week or so. My apologies for the lack of content, but as everybody knows at this point in time, the Braves have been pretty quiet, which we'll discuss with Gabe momentarily. But uh, legendary pitcher Phil Necro passed away a few days ago at the age of 81. Uh, obviously a heck of a life there, so um, you know, RIP to him, a Hall of Famer. He won 316 games, and by the, by the way, is a top 20 all-time player in terms of wins, a five-time All-Star five-time Gold Glove winner. He led the league in complete games and innings four different times. He had a 21-year career with the Braves with a low threes ERA, which is uh, very, very impressive, quite obviously. And even beyond the field, you know, I didn't know him, obviously. I'm too young to have watched him play. At the same time, his reputation was glowing. You saw a lot of, uh, you know, I'd say an outpouring of respect for him in uh, the last couple of days. So uh, shouts to Phil Necro, a legend. Also, the other piece of news, I guess, in the last couple days as well, is that Charlie Culberson is moving on through a minor league deal with the Rangers that includes a spring training invite to uh, to that facility down there with Texas. He appeared in 230 games with the Braves over the last three seasons. Had some fun moments. Obviously, Culberson was a fan favorite in a big way. Um, definitely a vocal portion of the fan base that loved his game. But even as I poke fun of that sometimes, he was a valuable contributor for the Braves over definitely the 2018 and 2019 seasons. A couple of huge moments for him, especially in 2018. He'll be 32 in April. It isn't a surprise the Braves are moving on. They didn't necessarily want to have him back last year. At least they weren't planning on a huge investment in him. They DFA'd him actually during the season and then brought him back. But he only had seven plate appearances all season last year in 2020 in the shortened season. So none of this is a huge surprise. But again, he had the two best years of his career with the Braves in 2018 and 2019. So we wish him the best, obviously, in Texas. We'll see if he can make the team there. Uh, but a, a chapter of this of that Braves history is being closed with him officially signing elsewhere. Other than that, though, um, nothing else to report on the Braves front. I do want to say before I bring in Gabe, uh, it's been great. I really appreciate all of the support on the podcast. I know Scott and Eric do as well for 2020. We had a, a pretty big growth, actually, on the show, which I really appreciate. Obviously, the Braves being good uh, is definitely some part in that. But... It's been fun to record the podcast. We've done a ton of episodes this year. We'll have many, many more in 2021, and uh, the plan is to keep it all rolling, but uh, please subscribe if you have not already done that. If you're just listening for the first time with Gabe on the show, give us a chance uh, moving forward. 
Leave five-star feedback as well. If you enjoy the podcast, tell a friend or two or three about the show. We should be available on any podcast platform you're choosing. If we're not there, let me know, and I'll get that fixed as fast as possible through the good people of SB Nation who uh, definitely get this stuff done for us on a regular basis. So with all of that out of the way, we'll have a quick break to hear from our sponsors on the podcast. And after they uh, tell you about their products, we will come back, and I'll be joined by Gabe Burns. I am joined now by Gabe Burns of the AJC Beat Writer Extraordinaire. How are you on this fine Tuesday evening, sir? I'm doing good, man. I'm, I'm glad that we're finally doing this. Absolutely. Uh, I've been meaning to, be, be, I would say, bug you slash beg you, perhaps, to come on the podcast, and uh, I appreciate you doing it. Here to wrap up, I think, unless something crazy happens, this will be the last episode of 2020, so uh, you, you have the honor of uh, bringing the hammer, so to speak. That, that is an honor. You know, yesterday was my 27th birthday, so I consider it a belated birthday present to be on this illustrious podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I, I feel old compared to you, which is nice. Uh, that's okay. I, I'm, I'm used to that because Scott is a younger man than I am as well. So here we are. But uh, yeah, thanks for joining me. Before we dive into some specific Braves talk, I do have to ask you, I've been asking this to certain people on my other podcasts as well, and I'm interested in this. You know, what's what's it kind of been like doing your job, both you know with the in-season the way that was so bizarre this year and then there was a little bit of a flurry of activity for the Braves, et cetera, after the season ended. But now we're in this dead period, too, and no winter meetings and all that. Like, how much has life changed for you? I mean, it's changed for everybody, I know. But what's what's it kind of been like for you during this last, you know, 10 months or so? Yeah, it's, it's definitely been weird. Uh, I'm sure that everyone else who's talked about this is, and you know this with, with the Hawks, too, is just how weird the Zoom stuff is how challenging it can be to just kind of connect with people, to tell unique stories. Everybody's getting the same quotes. Everybody's getting the same information. You have to kind of go out of your way, go through back channels or whatever to do different stuff. So that's probably the biggest thing. I mean, everything's easier when you're talking in person, um, you know, meeting players in person. Just after you're watching and for road games, um, I didn't go to any road games until the playoffs during the 60 game season. So it, it was weird to kind of just watch the game on TV and I'm slightly behind cause I have AT&T TV. <laughs> so I'm like slightly behind Twitter. And so I'm watching it on TV and you know, the game ends and then you just run over to your laptop and people hop on there like that. That's really weird. Um, and then the off season, uh, you know, Freddie wins the freaking MVP and, and, you know, we're getting him on a zoom real quick and no winter meetings was definitely weird. It would have been in Dallas this year, which would have been pretty cool. So that's that's always such a big part of the offseason, obviously, for the content cycle. Um, you know, not that many moves are made anymore, but there's plenty to chat about, rumors, all that kind of stuff. So it's definitely been weird, um, but it's it's kind of making the best out of the situation, you know, the hand that we've been dealt. So I can't really complain, and, you know, hopefully, you know, by the summer, maybe we're kind of returning to some kind of sense of normalcy. Yeah, and I think people know this to some degree, but I try to explain, you know, it's not my full-time job, but I I do a lot of sports coverage, and I know a lot of people that do jobs similar to yours, and trying to explain to someone what the difference is between Zoom availability and in-person and being able to be in the clubhouse or the locker room, depending on what, what uh, sport you're talking about, is just very big. Like, yes, you're still going to get quotes, you're still talking to guys, but uh, a lot of your job in particular as a full-time beat person you got to get these people on the side and you got to get little stuff that you have to glean from being there in person. And I know you were going to home games, but you're just going to the press box. It's just very different. Like I covered a Hawks game Monday night and it's just like, it's kind of like, why are you even here almost? Mm -hmm. It's, you can do the same thing from home. It's, it's just a kind of a bizarre situation. And, uh, I, uh, 
I talked about this. Actually, your colleague Sarah Spencer was on my podcast on the, on my Hawks podcast. We had a, a similar discussion about this, and just it's just kind of an interesting thing that I'm I'm asking people, just kind of how they're dealing with it all. Because on one hand, it's kind of easier in some ways because you just kind of hop on the Zoom and there you go. But also, there's not the nuance necessarily that you might be getting elsewhere. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head with you know you kind of have that. You're why am I here? Um, and we didn't, you know, uh, you know, I David O'Brien, Mark Bowman, the other beat guys. I mean, they they didn't attend every home game either. And we just, I mean, it was just no reason to be at all of them. You know what, you know, what's the benefit? Obviously, if a guy was, you know, uh, Ian Anderson's game against the Yankees, for instance, people came out for that, his debut. And so there's certain, you kind of pick and choose uh, how you would do it. But, but it's, it's definitely, it was, it was strange. Um, there's a pretty solid chance that, that, you know, whenever next season begins, that it's going to begin under kind of similar circumstances. So, but again, like, like you just say, we're make, we're making the most out of it, and you know we're just kind of kind of getting through it. Yeah, we're all we're all hanging in there. Uh, I will say that. All right. Well, uh, that's with that out of the way. I want I will ask you some baseball stuff now. Obviously, the Braves have been quiet for a while, and uh, I will bring that back up in a second. But um, I wonder what you thought of what they've done so far. So obviously, the two headliners are the starting pitching additions. You know, you have Drew Smiley, you have Charlie Morton. Those guys fortify the rotation quite a bit. Um, and they still have some questions, but how did, you, how did you feel about those moves? I know they're the, the typical Braves one-year commitments that the fans seem to not always love, but uh, I kind of like them, But I will, so I'll say that right now. But what did, you, what did you make of those two additions? You know, it's really weird because we talk about how it feels like that they haven't done much, but especially before the Padres struck this week, I mean, they were one of the most active teams. Yep. Um, that's just kind of, that's the state of baseball. That's, that's what a lot of teams are kind of going the other way. We just saw it with you, Darvish. Um, a lot of teams just obviously aren't inclined to spend. They're not inclined to win. Uh, you, you know, that's a whole nother discussion, but yeah, I mean, I like what they did. Um, you know, some people kind of think that the Drew Smiley deal was, was a little, a little bit of an overpay. I, I don't, it doesn't really bother me one way or another, how you view that. I, I don't, I don't think it's really a big deal. I think he's a really Honestly, he's one of the most intriguing guys that this team has brought in in several seasons to me, j- just because when he was signed, uh, one thing that Alex Anthopoulos said was he kind of saw him as a pitcher version of Travis Darnot. Hmm. He, was a, he was a guy that they feel if they get him, get him in the building, that they feel like there's a lot, they project there's a lot more there that we haven't seen, and they feel like they can bring it out of him. So for him to say that on record, uh, publicly like that. Um, I thought that was kind of interesting just because that's a kind of a reputation thing. Like we believe that we, we have something here. So I'm really curious how that goes. Uh, certainly an element of risk to it too, uh, with the injuries and whatnot. And we, and we can get more into that if you want to, but, and the same thing with Morton, uh, anytime you sign a guy like that, there's going to be a level of risk, but I, I like the signing fine. And, you know, we saw it with Cole Hamels. That was, you know, that was, <laughs> it was basically a waste of a signing, but it didn't hurt them long term. And in the end, that, there wasn't really any damage done. So that's kind of how, like you just said, that's kind of how they're doing things. Um, I'm sure we're going to get into Ozuna and, you know, what they're going to do about the offense soon. But, um, I mean, they struck early. So, they, I mean, they did. They filled the rotation. We were going to talk a lot about the rotation throughout the winter. Had they not done that, they went ahead and got that done. And now we're, we're really looking at that one last big domino to fall. But, Certainly, it's it's not like um, it's not like the NFL or NBA where free agency opens and there's a frenzy and you kind of get everything. Like you kind of have to really be on top of this stuff because you never know when something's going to pop that the Braves are making this move. I mean, the Morton thing was uh, that was like a 
gosh, it was like 9 a.m. or something that that started to flood in. Like you, you just never really know. So the baseball landscape is just so totally different, you know? Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's, it's really strange because like you said, it feels like the Braves haven't done that much, but if you put them up against, uh, against most other teams, they've done plenty. It's not like they haven't done moves. Yeah. It's that there's just, there's a long time in between them. There isn't that flurry of activity. And there are obviously still question marks that they have to address at some point. And I think everyone knows that. Um, back to Smiley and Morton, I, I agree with you. I think, you know, it's definitely possible um, that one of those guys, if not both, aren't like fantastic. That's kind of the nature of a one-year deal. You're taking on some. Uh, there's some risk. Those guys don't pan out. Morton's an older guy. Smiley's more of a uh, maybe a higher upside, but not necessarily a high floor addition. But you know, you're adding two pieces, and you know, coming into the offseason, I thought they, that they had to add some pitching, but they do have all those young arms coming back. You have Soroka coming back. They have some depth now, which is a, a brave new world so to speak, from last season where they had none whatsoever. Like, the starting pitching, as we, as you uh, well know, was uh, was rough throughout the uh, short, shortened season. So to have maybe six or seven arms that they can throw out there and be comfortable with is uh, a nice bonus from last year. Yeah, could you imagine if it was a full season? Uh, it would have been dark. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, uh, it was really unbelievable, um, the point, especially when Freed – you know, was briefly sidelined. I mean, that was, that was truly just unbelievable, but yeah, they're, they're in much better shape. I think, I mean, the odds are just Smiley's history. Um, and, and just in general, like there are going to be guys are going to get hurt. Right. And, and we don't know if Soroka is going to be ready to start the year. And I, and this rotation is really, really fascinating because it could be a top five. It could be a top three rotation if things really hit, or it could be a pretty big disappointment. So, there's a there's a pretty uh, big range of outcomes for this group, so it, it's going to be probably the most interesting thing to watch. Uh, Ian, you know, we saw him. Obviously, he was super impressive. The postseason, uh, if he doesn't hit a lull, that would be pretty incredible. If he doesn't go through, uh, you know, a little troubling stretch or something here um, in his first full season, just because that's natural of young pitchers. I mean, we've seen it over and over again. Um, haven't really seen it with Mike Soroka besides the injury. We'll see how he bounces back from that. And and uh, we'll see if Freed keeps building on what he's done. So it, it's an intriguing group. Uh, Bryce Wilson, uh, opinions on him have, have really changed after that playoff start, I think, to an extent. So, and, again, that's such a small sample size. And, I mean, it was great to see. But uh, he's really a wild card. Same thing with Kyle Wright. So, but the bottom line is they do have plenty of guys who can cover those innings, and you hope in the event of an injury or two, you know, <laughs> you hope it's not going to be another nightmare scenario. And I, I think it'd be far-fetched to think that it could play out um, anywhere similar to how it did over this past season. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how good they actually are, but it will yeah. be a step up from, from the previous year, and there is talent, quite obviously, in that group between the young guys and the guys that they brought in as vets. Um, okay, i, I got to ask you about the offense now. Um, you know, Adam Duvall is sitting out there. They decided to non-tender him. I, uh, I will not ask you to break news on this podcast, but I, I suppose there's still a, a potential to uh, bring him back at some point if they wanted to do that. He's still a free agent. And then there's the domino of Marcelo Zuna. So uh, I know it's really tough to discuss this, but basically on offense, they haven't done much of anything, and there's an obvious spot they have to fill in the corner outfield, and then there's the, the DH conundrum that everyone is facing. So I will open it up to you. What do you make of sort of the lack of activity there so far and also what's the plan of sorts I know you're not privy to those conversations necessarily but uh, they have to do something I think that's the one thing that everyone agrees on is that they're not going to be just set on offense right now with what they have under contract but what's that going to look like you think 
Yeah, uh, well, we've all kind of discussed the DH stuff ad nauseum. We kind of, I'm assuming if you're listening to this podcast, you kind of know what the deal is at this point. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, it's ridiculous. Um, it's embarrassing for baseball as a sport. Uh, I can't, I mean, could you imagine the NFL had something like this or uh, it's just unbelievable. It, uh, it really is it, unbelievable. Like two months, we're basically two months now into the off season and free agency has been open this entire time. And guys like, you know, Ozuna's affected too, but like, think about Nelson Cruz. Like Nelson Cruz is an absolute pure DH. And right now yeah. he has, he has no idea who, who he can work for essentially. It's yeah. Just, I mean, you're, you're screwing a bunch of players. You're screwing teams that don't know what their plans are. Uh, we really, we don't even know when the season's going to start. You know, people are just saying, oh, you know, early February report to spring training until it changes. Sure. Uh, that's fine mentality to have, but, uh, it's just, there's so many different moving parts and, uh, you would think January is when we really start to see things start happening. Um, and I do assume that will be the case, but man, I, I mean, <laughs> for us to be at this point, uh, not, not knowing the rules, um, not knowing how many games are going to be played. It, it's pretty bizarre to think about. But anyway, to the Braves. Uh, yeah, Duvall's out there. I, I, that was a modest surprise. I, I think uh, most people knew it was a possibility. But, I, I mean, for them to let him go, maybe they wind up bringing him back. I don't know if he, he's a plan B, a plan C, a plan D. But he's definitely still in the mix of guys I could bring back, obviously. Uh, they really love him. Snit loves him. I mean, everybody there loves him. So, Maybe I think he'll be he'll be a good gift for somebody. Put it that way. Um, with Ozuna, it's the it's the it's the DH discussion. Obviously, um, that impacts his market. It's George Springer. You know uh, the team that misses. Uh, you know if, if Springer goes to the Mets, you know are the Blue Jays going to up their offer to Ozuna? You know I think they're going to be in the mix there. So. You have that. You have the aspect of defense. You know I'm sure that you've you've talked on here plenty about Ozuna's defense and. And whether or not you're going to have to just deal with, you know, do you have to put up with him in left field for a year? We saw it. Uh, the Braves didn't like what they saw. Nobody did. Um, and it's not like there were the expectations for him were very high coming in. So you have to weigh that. Is he worth dealing with for a year? I get both sides of the argument. I've written about it numerous times, and even I go back and forth on it. So, and then there's just, uh, do you want, and if, even in the case of a DH, do you want to pay a guy this amount of money just to be your DH? And that's a problem that obviously National League teams haven't had to deal with before. And that's something that, you know, Alex had the DH when he was running the Blue Jays. And now he's got to look at this. Do I want to pay this amount of money for a guy who is not going to provide any value defensively? It's just going to be a bat. So, and you also have to factor in Freddie Freeman's extension is the floor on that 25 per maybe. So you factoring that in moving forward, the amount you'd allocate to Ozuna, they're just, I, I mean, we are just reeling off so many different factors um, that go into this. And that's what makes it so interesting. Right. So I honestly, it, it's so weird. It's hard to even have a take on whether or not they should bring him back just because there's, there's so much, so many moving parts. I don't even know what to really say about it. You know? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm in the same place as you. I think we all know he's a good hitter. He would add value to the team. Um, I guess my follow-up to that would be, you know, what happens if they don't do that? Because I, I think that 
this is still a talented offense if you take Ozuna out of it. But at the same time, they don't have a starting corner outfielder right now um, with Duvall gone uh, as as constructed. And then the DH spot um, last year was so helpful with Ozuna being so good that the offense will feel like it is not going to be as good as it was last year if they don't bring him back, unless they replace him on some level. Now, you're replacing him with someone that may not be as good as he was last year because he was so good in the middle of that order. But the offense is a concern, at least a mild one, if you lose Ozuna and don't really replace him. So I guess the question, like broadly speaking, is what would the plan be? I, I know you don't know that necessarily, but what, what happens if what, what happens if he walks, or what, what happens if he signs somewhere else? Well, I mean, the obvious the obvious thought would be another kind of one year flyer type player, right? Um, that's yeah. that's what they're doing with pitchers. I mean, it's what it's what they've done with with a middle of the order bat. Uh, Donaldson was, he exceeded expectations and they got Ozuna who was even better. And odds are, you're probably not going to get somebody who's going to be better again. Um, but this, the mentality with Ozuna was also offensively replacing, you know, X percent of what Donaldson provided. And I know we kind of throw the same names around. I know Scott was tweeting about Chris Bryant, um, yep. a day or two ago. And that that's the, kind of the obvious guy, especially with you Darvish now traded and the Cubs are just kind of tearing things down. That's the obvious thought. And that's a guy who, if there is a DH in the NL, he could be your DH. He can play left field. He can play third. Uh, so you can, you know, you can debate that with Riley. He can play around. I, I mean, that's, that's, he's a guy who would kind of easily fit in. So, that one makes some sense. He can, you know, rehab his value. You see the Braves clearly um, are a place that these guys will want to go to do something like that now. They're kind of, I mean, they're kind of developing a reputation for that. So it would be a good, it would be a good situation for Bryant to come in and, you know, have a bounce back year himself before hitting free agency and then getting paid by somebody else. So I would, you know, that would be the logical thing. They could also, you know, maybe even Adam Duvall that you just, that's the direction you wind up going. So a guy like that. So there, there's lots of different um, there's lots of different avenues. I just I wouldn't expect to see them involved uh, in trading, you know, a massive prospect haul for somebody or, you know, signing a premier free agent to a multi-year deal simply because we seeing that's just not how they do things. Yeah, I was going to ask you this actually at some point. So I'll, I'll go ahead and do it now. It sort of fits in, I think. You know, a lot of – I'm sure you see this as well in your mentions at times, but there is a segment of the fan base that is always waiting or wanting the, the big sort of all-in move that the Braves have not done so far for, you know, whether it's the, the huge Frasian yeah. signing or it's the, the prospect hall trade. They haven't done it yet, and I'm not sure they ever will. I mean, I guess they almost have to at some point, but what's your sort of philosophical thinking on that? And obviously you have some sourcing on this as well that I wouldn't have, but – you know, what's what's the thinking there uh, as far as your understanding goes? And uh, is that something that that they actually would ever consider doing? Because I think, especially the free agent side, you know, only certain teams usually that you see it sort of associated with those eight-year, nine-year deals, and the Braves are almost never one of them. Yeah, um, I'm not, I'm not going to criticize them for not handing out a seven- or eight-year deal. Um, those are just usually not not for the best. They usually, uh, they usually end badly, which is kind of funny because everyone always loves to do them, uh, at least the fans yeah. do, and then you realize that most of those deals don't end super well. Yeah, I, I mean, like when people, you know, people talked about Machado and Harper and, you know, maybe the Braves would have been more inclined there if they could have got something done for, you know, a three-year deal or whatever. That was never going to happen, uh, realistically. So, uh, I, I mean, I've... I've criticized them at times just because I feel like they've held on to some guys for too long 
And I, I feel like, it, but at the same time, we don't, we don't know what other teams are asking. And I know it's been out there about the Yelich stuff. Uh, Miami wanted Acuna. I mean, that was, that was it. Like <laughs> I'm sure, was, I'm sure they did. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that was, that was it. It was either we're getting Acuna or Yelich is not going to be a brave. So uh, would anyone trade Acuna for Yelich now? Like um, for as great as Yelich is. So the, the, what the Braves will tell you is that they have had plenty of opportunities. Uh, and you could really say this for any team that has, um, that has the assets. They have had plenty of opportunities to make that kind of splashy move. And they've had opportunities to trade guys like Ozzy and Acuna and Riley. And you can debate maybe some of those guys could have been traded. Depending. I don't know who the players were, but that's their logic that they will tell you is, you know, for the guy, we've held on to guys and it's worked. Well, one thing that the Dodgers have been so good about is identifying the guys that are really going to be p- kind of part of the foundation and the guys who are expendable. And I think that I understand fan frustration to a degree when you see stuff like what San Diego has done, because I mean, naturally you just, you, you want that kind of excitement, right? Um, you just want to see that, see that with your team. So I, I mean, I understand it. I understand where people are coming from. I think there were so many years of rumors from Chris, even like Chris sale, Chris Archer um, to now it, it's just for, for that kind of stuff, not to have happened. I can understand why people are annoyed by it, but at the same time, you can't really criticize the process they've been on because they are set up for long-term sustainability and they have been winning. And the reality is you're just, you're not going to win the world series every year. They haven't gotten there yet. And I, I mean, it's impossible for us to say without having a board of the moves that were available to them, what they should have taken. But I don't think there has been any kind of, a uh, tremendous organizational failure in not making one of those moves. So uh, that's that's pretty much where I fall on it. Yeah, I'm. I think I'm pretty much where you are. I think it's natural that people want the big names. Would it be great if the Braves got it on George Springer this offseason? Sure, sure, it would be. He's really good. Um, but until they do it, I'm going to expect that they probably won't, <laughs> and maybe they will eventually. And I think they have been set up to do sort of one of those prospect push in kind of trades, and haven't had to do one yet. Um, and you know. Recently, the results have been pretty darn good, so it's not like you have to criticize that. Um, it's just that I think the entire rebuild, they haven't done one of those deals. And usually, I mean, you know this, but usually if a team does a long-term rebuild, you know, stockpiles the farm system, eventually they sort of cash those in, and they haven't really done that. So it's just kind of interesting to me, not not in a bad way. It's just kind of uh, noteworthy, and uh, it's an interesting thought exercise, I think. Yeah, it is. And, and again, like I understand being critical of that, but it's just hard when you look at the because a lot of the stuff that gets put out there isn't necessarily true. You know that. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, yeah. So, I mean, it's just hard. I can't sit here and say, well, the Braves could have gotten Lindor for Dansby, Bryce Wilson and, you know, pitching prospect C. And it's like, well, why on earth didn't you do that? You know, because <laughs> it's, it's usually not <laughs> so, true. Yeah. Yeah. It's usually not true. So we, we can't it, I can't sit here and criticize them that way. Fan, I mean, fans can feel free to do that, of course. And and I understand it. But I, I will say it is surprising that we have not seen a move like that, um, especially, you know, Anthopolis came in with this big reputation um, as you know, a wheeler and dealer, and and obviously he's ma- he's made some really nice moves, uh, a bunch of nice moves actually. But uh, for for this t- organization still to have not really pushed those, you know, go all the way in, like they're they're definitely in and they're in in now mode. But we haven't seen you know the Padres Clippers just we're in this. Yeah. Um. And and they just they seem reluctant to do that. And, and I, I think that 
it really is just prioritizing just keeping a sustainable contender and and not risking one of those moves that kind of blows up. And you know what? You have to take risks doing this. And it's very possible that the Braves will. Maybe that comes this summer. Maybe it comes this offseason. Maybe it comes next offseason. But it does feel like eventually – I agree with you that eventually it does feel like something will happen. But it is surprising it hasn't yet. Yeah, and they've been good at sort of addressing needs. You know, there was the uh, that flurry of moves, you know, a year and a half ago now, where they went and addressed the bullpen, and I kind of kind of just went crazy in doing that. And yeah. obviously, they were so weak that they had to do that in that spot, but it worked out well. Um, you know, they've done stuff like that. They just haven't done the uh, the big splash move necessarily. And it's kind of funny. I know uh, we've all joked about this, but the one multi year deal they've given out is to Will Smith, and the the only <laughs> the only guy the only position that you would not expect that uh, expect that to happen with is the uh, is the bullpen, and that's where they did it, which is kind of funny and I, I didn't i didn't hate that deal anyway it was just kind of ironic that uh usually you want to go short term on the bullpen and long term everywhere else and they did they, they did the opposite which is kind of funny it, it is it is weird and i i, I expect him to be better this year oh yeah me too. but yeah but that was weird i wouldn't have i mean i'm, I'm with you I, I don't think it was necessarily bad value or anything but it, it's not it wouldn't it wouldn't have been one of the moves that i would have prioritized but um it, it, it it's not a bad contract. I, I think he'll be he'll be better this year, and yeah, I mean maybe he'll even be closing games depending on uh, depending on how the rest of this bullpen shapes. I, I think they probably should add um, certainly another reliever, maybe two, uh, uh, Melanson or Green. I think Melanson is still a, certainly a candidate to come back. So uh, that's uh, along with the offense and you know potentially the bench. I, I would say that you know adding another reliever or two is definitely up there in, in moves they're going to make over the next couple months. Yeah, I was going to ask just about the guys who are you know potential candidates to return. Obviously, Melanson on that list. A guy like Tyler Flowers maybe on that list. Uh, I guess mm-hmm. Shane Green is still uh, unsigned at this moment, I, I believe. Um, I don't know. It's interesting to me. Like, do you think that any of those guys are more likely to return than maybe the other guys? I know we're kind of all guessing to some degree here, but Melanson's the guy that I think we, that, we, that I get asked about the most, probably other than Ozuna, of course, um, because Melanson yeah. was a you know obviously a huge part of the team the last the last year and a half, and he's kind of floating out there, an older guy. But if they could bring him back for a reasonable price, it does seem like a pretty natural move to me. Yeah, that one's kind of gut feeling. It, it feels like he's the most likely out of the bunch to return, um, and that's a, including Ozuna. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, so I, I would guess that Melanson's probably the most likely. I think it's a good. I think it's a situation he really liked. It's it's a good fit. It makes sense. You know the money. The money. I mean the bullpen market right now. I, I can't imagine it's going to be a very expensive move. Um, so they have that going for them. Flowers. Uh, that's that could go one way or another. Um, you know, if you wind up having Contreras behind Darno, I, I think that would kind of be exciting. I, I think that you know you're you're looking to see how. He's again. Darno's going to be handling the majority of of your duty there, so it's it's not that big of a deal. And you know, letting Contreras kind of be under him and and seeing what you have there moving forward, I don't think that's really the worst move. But if they brought back Flowers, I'm sure he would take less money to stay in Atlanta. And, and obviously, you know, he he's from here, and it, it, so that so that one that one could go either way. But he's certainly a candidate to return if if, if they decide to go there. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, the bullpen stuff's going to be interesting. Obviously, it's a big need for a lot of teams. We saw the Phillies, uh, expect, yeah, even in the own, even in the Braves' own division, um, we saw how, how badly the Phillies need a relief help. And, Whew. you know, a guy like Adam Duvall could come back, and Adam Duvall could even help teams in the NL East, too. So, uh, 
Yeah, it's just like like we were saying with all the facts with Ozuna, a lot of moving parts. But I, I definitely, if I had to bet money on one of them, I would bet on Melanson being back. Yeah, it's interesting, and you know, you know this too, but. The Braves have a knack the last several years of just kind of bringing bringing guys back for cheap that they like. You know, Marquecas a couple times, Flowers. Um, they've kind of just kept guys close. Even Charlie Culberson last season before, obviously he's going to be gone now. But they've they've done those little moves on the margins of guys that that they value in the clubhouse as these supporting pieces. Uh, so none of those would surprise me. I guess Marquecas might surprise me because he. Uh, but I guess I should ask you about him. Is he uh, going to play baseball? You think next year? And if he does, is it going to be in Atlanta? Because it feels like Nick is just going to be here forever until he doesn't want to be anymore. Yeah, I mean, no, that's a good question. Um, I don't. I don't actually. Don't, I don't have a lot of intel there. Um, I, I can't. I, I, it feels like this is this is kind of the the end. I'm just. I, I'm saying this kind of speculatively. Like I. I just feel like. Um, Maybe you know it's time for the Braves to kind of just move forward, you know. Yeah. Uh, who knows? Uh, it, uh, like you just said, it, it it just seems like he just he keeps coming back. So uh, maybe maybe it winds up the same way. But uh, right now, I I feel like they're just uh, they're just going to move forward. But we'll see about that one. Yeah, and you know, I'm not going to make you uh, guess moves in the future. Uh, I think that. If it was my priority list, I'd be looking uh, mostly at that middle of the order bat as the most important thing to add. Would you agree with me, or would you say you know maybe bullpen is more important than getting somebody like that right now? Because I know those are kind of the two natural areas. I think. No, I definitely agree with you. The only move I would I would put above the middle of the order bat uh, would be the Freeman extension. Oh yeah. Uh, just just be, I just not only obviously having that done, having your you know your your franchise player locked in and all that, but just knowing, just having that number on the books, I, I just think that's going to be such a big deal. And again, this team might not be handing out any multi-year contracts in the next couple months, but having that number locked in and knowing that, you know, just knowing how that's going to influence your team building uh, moving forward, I, I just think that's going to be a big deal. I think that matters for Ozuna to an extent. So, uh, so I would, yeah, definitely as far as roster construction goes, definitely the middle of the order bat uh, the offense can get by with a modest addition, but you would like to have, you know, obviously a, a more of a power threat there. And then, and, and the Freddie extension, which it feels like that's something that should happen this winter, but they're going to be dead silent about that. But <laughs> yeah. you would think that's something that would get done, even if it's during spring training. Yeah, I was going to ask you about Freddie, so I'm glad you brought it up. Um, the, the thing about it being dead silent is hilarious because I think that definitely makes a ton of sense on both sides. That's kind of the way that they operate in a lot of ways. And you know, getting that done, this is just kind of the natural point to do it. I think everyone has just been talking about it like it's almost a foregone conclusion that it would happen. I'm not sure if I'd go that far necessarily, but it feels like it's a pretty natural thing to do. Um, I guess I'll ask you this too because it sort of feeds into the same thing. How is it to cover a team that has, uh, I would say, routinely just broken its own news in a world where teams don't break their own news? Like, I'm, I'm sure you, I'm sure you've heard stuff ahead of time necessarily on some of this stuff that I haven't. But the Braves on the Anthopolis have, you know, not always, not every time, but they've, uh, I would say, multiple times, just announced signings that no one had broken beforehand, and that's kind of wild in 2020. It is. Um, you, you know, this is the first uh, professional beat that I've covered. Um, and I got here, I was uh, Dave's backup, and it was at, at the end of Copy's regime. So I didn't really, and I wasn't I wasn't chasing after things or, or anything like that. So I didn't really have, 
I didn't really have any experience dealing with the previous group, which was night and day different from this one. Yes. So, <laughs> yeah. So I, I can't, you know, it's kind of weird. Like you hear, we talk about it and it's definitely, you know, having stuff pop. I mean, it's, 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 it's different, but, um, you know, I mean, look, if I was a Braves fan, that's how I would want it to be. Yeah. So uh, I grew up a Braves fan, so uh, that's how, that's how I would look at it. So it's a good. I mean, it's a good thing for fans, in my opinion. Uh, you don't want an organization that's over here just throwing stuff out there constantly. And so I, I mean, it's it's oh, it, it's challenging. Uh, it's certainly challenging to kind of get a lead or break anything. We'll just we can leave it at that. <laughs> no, I, I was gonna say that's not a criticism of, of, of any of you guys that are doing this because I feel like they they want it that way. And I covered a Hawks team under Danny Ferry and Mike Budenholzer that was the same way. They didn't leak anything mm-hmm. really to anyone. It was kind of famous for it. And I agree with you on the fan side. I know most fans would, would just like to kind of enjoy the rumor mill sometimes. There is some fun in being able to dissect the rumors. But I think competitively, um, for the baseball side of things, it probably is better for them to just not leak stuff because then they have all the cards close to their vest. But for people like us, it'd be great if they leaked. I mean, just for content. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, just because, I mean, I see like Braves fans tweeting about it all the time, you know, even during these like, you know, quote unquote virtual winter meetings and all that, like you see so many people just throwing stuff against the wall on every team, except you basically never hear the Braves for like anything. And I mean, they do, they really do a stellar job with, you know, telling agents to keep things quiet, keeping things quiet in the building themselves. I mean, kudos to them because they're, you know, I don't cover every team in Major League Baseball, but I, I can't imagine there are, you know, three, four, or five more teams that are able to keep things under wraps like they can. For sure. Um, this is way too early, but before I let you get out of here, I have to ask you, like, do you feel like the Braves are positioned well um, to compete again next year? Obviously, you know, they, they made their runs to the NLCS um, pretty impressively and could have easily won that series and made the world series. So a pretty strong returning cast, but do you feel good about where they are situated? I know it's too early because of the roster not being finalized, but you know, the, this, the core guys are still around and this is still going to be a good baseball team. I, I would imagine. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I, it's a high floor, high ceiling team. I, even if they don't make any significant upgrades, I'm looking at this team and I would still consider them the favorites in the East right now. Now there's the Eastern teams are going to be making more moves, especially the Mets. But there's just not a, there's not a reason to to pick any of these other teams over the Braves right now. Um, you know, you might get some regression from. I I just I generally feel pretty good about this team. I think it's especially with the state of the National League too. Um, I certainly feel that this team is better than everyone in the Central. Uh, I feel it's better than three of the teams in the West, and I feel it's better than the East or, you know, if you wanted to argue for one of these East teams, they make some, they make some moves and, you know, maybe the Braves are in the top three mix of the East, but I just, you, I just look at the state of the league. I look at the talent on this team, um, the Acunas, the Freeman, I mean, the obvious guys, and even with the amount of risk, you know, will there be some bullpen regression? You know, maybe one of these uh, free agent starters doesn't work out. Maybe one of the young guys regresses. I mean, even factoring that stuff in, I just, I just have a hard time seeing um, what it would take aside from a real injury bug to really just knock this team out of the mix. So I, I think that they're on the cusp, right? You you get as close as they were. You're trying to make those moves to get over the hump. I don't think they're over the hump yet, but. 
they're still right where they were. They're they're on that cusp, and uh, a lot of this stuff, you know, a lot of this stuff is luck too. So as as long as they're in the mix, and again, we'll see what other kind of moves they make. But I, I think they're in really good shape. Yeah, I, I tend to agree, but uh, I defer to you as the uh, as the expert on this podcast today, Gabe. I appreciate <laughs> all the insight. Um, well, thank you for joining me, man. I don't I want to take any more of your time, but uh, I, I think people are probably following your work at this point. If they're not, they should be ashamed of themselves, I will say. But uh, please plug anything that you would like to. I know you are still grinding, even in this very uh, quiet time for Braves coverage. Yeah, man. Um, well, my Twitter is at Gabe Burns AJC, and I, I've been... I've written, I've written a lot uh, lately about uh, Marcelo Zuna, shocker, um, the one yeah. guy that every, everybody wants to read about. I mean, you just play the hits in baseball, right? I mean, this stuff drags out so long. You're kind of you find yourself talking and writing about the exact same things every other day. But and then we we've got a lot of coverage of uh, you know of Phil Necro, uh, may he rest in peace, a beloved Brave and, and Hall of Famer. So we've got a lot of that up on the site. But uh, I'm glad we finally got to do this, man. I, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the work that you guys do, and I appreciate you having me on. Oh, no, it's, it's absolutely my pleasure. Uh, I will probably ask you at some point down the road to do this again when I'm confident that you are not crazy busy. Cause, uh, and by the way, just, just to prepare you for this, we have a reputation around here for doing a podcast and then having a news break tomorrow morning. So uh, be, I guess be prepared for Wednesday morning, like uh, maybe George Springer signs or something like that on Wednesday if, if something crazy happens. But I'm only, I'm, only, oh. I'm only kind of kidding. It happens. I'm just telling you. Fair warning. <laughs> keep an eye on it <laughs> uh, there you go well thank you Gabe I appreciate it man everybody should be following Gabe's work check out this podcast as well subscribe and we'll see you all next time <laughs>